going to invite uh, David Novak to come forward at this time, uh, who will be bringing us our message. As Ken said, David is the chairman of the uh, Serkev Braturska, and I'm not sure I said that exactly correctly, uh, but uh, it's the denomination with which we're connected, and one of the things I love about being connected with CB, uh, we don't all know that we're connected with them, but it reminds us uh, that as God's people, we are connected uh, with Christians uh, in every place, uh, and even though we are the International Church of Prague, an English-speaking congregation from all over the world, uh, that God has called us to Prague and to the Czech Republic, and we are a part of his work in this place, and so we give thanks for for uh, the ministry of CB and uh, knowing that we are a part of God's work through them uh, that has been going on well before any of us was here. So, uh, David, thank you for being here this morning. Also, thank you for inviting me. And <clears throat> you will soon realize that uh, English is not my... You already realized that English <laughs> is not my first language. I learned uh, English um, uh, just by myself, so you will recognize it very soon. But anyway, uh, as you heard, uh, your pastor will be uh, installed. And uh, I also, so I'm very glad that I can be here at such a special situation. Uh, and it is one of the nicest or nicer things that chairman of the denomination can do. And it's uh, to install new pastors. And we are very blessed uh, during the last five or six years, we, we installed uh, as a denomination about 20 new uh, pastors. So that's, that's, that's a blessing. And also I believe that because you have uh, Mike now, that there will be more connections between uh, denomination and your church. At least I would like, uh, I would like to see that we are more connected as a, as a denomination. So again, I'm very pleased here to be here, and uh, I have joy, really joy, to install your, your new pastor, and I believe that you will have great time together. As Americans, you would say, great time together. Czech would say, okay time together. <laughs> you will realize it very soon. Uh, or it won't be bad, it won't be bad. Which in Czech means super. <laughs> so I'm very happy that you are laughing. This means that you understand what I'm talking about. So when I, when I thought uh, what I should preach about, I decided to preach about one very interesting person that is really not black and white person. And it is... Uh, it is, uh, I will show you a few pictures, maybe I would, pictures, yes, is the best word, from uh, life, one of the greatest uh, prophet. And I don't know, or of New or Old, uh, New Testament, or if is it from Old or New Testament, so something in the middle, theologians are discussions, if he belongs to Old or New Testament, but it is John the Baptist. And I believe that there are some very inspirative pictures or, or views or moments that are great inspiration for pastoral ministry as well as for our daily life. <clears throat> so I will read uh, first, uh, first John 19 to 23. Then I will comment it and then I will read another, another uh, scripture. 
Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, he, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who send us. What do you say about yourself? <clears throat> John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. <clears throat> so we meet uh, John uh, in the very beginning of the instructions of the Gospel of John. And even before the public appearance of Christ appears, or John appears. Now, John criticized uh, uh, the religious leaders. He openly called out many abuses, which were well known, but not talked about. Moreover, his uh, words were prophetic, as the dream of anybody who preaches, to have prophetic message. And because of that, he deeply touched uh, the hearts of the people. Therefore, John quickly gained influence, and uh, so it's completely understandable that a delegation is sent to him with the question, who are you? Aren't you the Messiah? And uh, at the first glance, it is quite clear what uh, John answered. Of course, I'm not Messiah. I'm not the Messiah. It's clear. But, but, but if we try to put ourselves uh, in his place, we suddenly realize that uh, it wasn't so necessarily so simple and that John's answer reveals to us something about his character. Think a little bit. What is behind such a question? Let's try uh, to imagine a little. You know, John, Mike, David, or you can put uh, your name. The crowds are following you. That's great, isn't it? You are uh, maybe a tough preacher, but you are a very good preacher. Uh, our nation has long awaited someone who would have a clear message, who would be sent from God. And John, you are the man. You are the best. You are the greatest. God himself speak through you. It sounds good, isn't it? At least to my... Uh, unfortunately, I never heard it about myself, but uh, <laughs> I should not say that I would like to, but you, know, you are special uh, gods and boy. Uh, you are not like those uh, who came before you. You are someone. You know, maybe Mike next Sunday will hear, you know, Mike, wow, you are not like the one who was here a week before. You know. 
<laughs> no, I don't think that you will say that. But, <clears throat> but it's clear that if the religious leaders uh, did not take John seriously, they would have just ignored him. Uh, but they could not ignore him because his message and his influence could not be just ignored. He was really good. Today, we would say that John became a rising star. And it would be so easy for John uh, to give in to feelings of his own uniqueness or almost perfection. Uh, similarly, <clears throat> a mother can just easily to give in to a so-called messiah complex. Do you know this word connection, messiah complex? To give in into a messiah complex uh, in connection to raising children, a man with regards to his business, a pastor with regards to his congregation, so on, so on. In other words, a messiah complex threatens all of us in our relationships with our children, our work, our church, our ministry. Moreover, often we are really good. Uh, but John, however, is able to say, not at all. I'm not the one you have been waiting for and whom, moreover, you would gladly take me for. You know, it would be, it would be so, so easy to keep his hearers in suspense, perhaps saying, you know, I will think about what you have said. Or maybe to ask which of my positive characteristic, characteristics has prompted you to think in such a way. Why do you think that I'm so good? Tell me. Instead, however, John refuses to play that role. In contrast to many people who gladly take on the role of Messiah. And the reason why John was able to do that, to say no, was his humility. There is a very important thing, <clears throat> idea behind this. It's a very important idea, not only for pastors, I believe for everybody. What does it mean to be, what, does it, what is it to be, uh, or I said he was able to do, why he was able to do what he did was his humility. Why? He knew who is he, his God's envoy. In the same time, he knew what he was not. Both is very important. The second thing. It's from John 3, <clears throat> 23 to 28. Now John was baptizing at Enon near Salim because there were plenty of water and people were constantly coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew 
over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he's baptizing and everyone is going to him. Remember, everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Christ, but I am sent ahead of him. It's very interesting. <clears throat> After John baptized, he continues uh, to devote himself in, or to his prophetic ministry. Crowds continue to come to him, and he continues to have something to say to the people. He's still known or well-known. Uh, <clears throat> but then suddenly his disciples come to him and tell him that the one he baptized is, now what? More successful. Than John. Do you understand? He's better. More successful. Uh, and John hears the words, everyone is going to him. Again, at first glance, there seems to be nothing in this. But let's ask this question. How would we react if we heard, or how we react if we heard, everyone is going to someone else? Now I will be more specific as a pastor. Everyone is going to hear his sermon. David, you have good preaching, but some of your colleagues have great preaching on this YouTube channel. So the reason why I'm not going to your Sunday sermon is because I'm listening to you know, some YouTube preaching. Or another example, you know, not just for pastors. They, in contrast to us, wonderfully raise their kids. Or another example, when she or he is more successful in business, is better, is richer, is healthier, more handsome, more gifted, and she's more beautiful. You know how we react if someone or somebody is just better. Sometimes it's not easy to accept it. You know, what is really uh, being said to John is, John, the one you baptized is, is more blessed. Or put it more simply, is better. You know, John, John still had some results. People still came out to hear him, but not like before. And yet... He accepts this reality and, in contrast to his disciples, somehow does not feel threatened by it. It's, 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 it's unbelievable. It shows us a lot about his character. You know, and, and even more, he rejoices that one for whom he was to prepare the way is glorified. And this is the task of, of any pastor, and this is the task of every, any church, and it's the task of every Christian. He was happy or was glad that Jesus is glorified, that he is better. 
And uh, to put it more simply, we can be happy or glad that some, not just that Jesus is glorified, but that some, somebody is better preacher or better mother, better teacher, better businessman. Do you understand? Better parents. That somebody is more blessed than we are. We don't, we don't need to compete. And the last thing, it's maybe the most, the most difficult, the less understandable, at least for me. Now I will preach about something that I don't understand. It's an interesting experiment. <laughs> it shows, the last part of John's life shows how difficult, complicated man is. How sometimes our ideas about uh, spiritual growth, about uh, good Christianity or good Christians is becoming more and more mm, certain or more and more difficult. You know the last, or maybe you know the last, uh, last part of uh, John's life. It does not finish by happy end. Am I right? He openly criticized Herod, the king Herod, and uh, as a result, he he he's, he's thrown into prison, and finally he's he's executed. You know, but in prison, when he, he when he was in prison, he hears about the works of Christ and sends his disciples to him or to Christ with very strong, difficult, or I would say strange, no strong, strange question. And it is Matthew 11, just one sentence. Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? What kind of stupid question is this? Think about it a little bit. I think, and that's why I don't understand why he's asking this question, I think, that I would, I would probably expect anything from John, but certainly not this. During his entire active ministry, John has been preparing himself and Israel for the coming of Christ. Then he clearly recognized him. In fact, he even baptized him. Because he was, I think he was nearby when he baptized Jesus, so he... He, he hears the voice, a voice from heaven announcing the Lord Jesus uh, as beloved son. He was maybe the only person that heard it. You know. He doesn't give in into the temptation to become a Messiah figure, nor doesn't he allow himself to be lured into some kind of competition with Jesus. And this man, this great man, who had more clarity about Jesus than anyone else, about whom it was even said, truly, truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has never been one greater than John. This man now comes uh, with such a strange question. I think that he knew everything about Jesus. Why he is asking this? Who are you? In this question, we see above all else, doubt, or deep doubts. 
doubt, do you understand? Yeah. When others asked him, who was Jesus? Or who Jesus was? He knew the answer. Now, he's asking. Uh, he's asking uh, the question himself. How such a things, how such a thing can ha- even happen? If the same thing had occurred to anyone else but John, yeah, the answer would probably be something like, "His face was weak." If I would ask a quest, such a question, or you would ask such a question, "Who is Jesus?" I would say probably, "I have or you have weak faith." A fake, a weak faith. But John, he knew everything. How we can ask such a strange question? We don't know. Surely we can conclude that John, being in prison, had, he had some crisis. Uh, we don't know, but we can only suppose. Perhaps a better explanation, I think that the best explanation, the, however, is that not only John, but everyone at some point even pastors, at some point, everyone goes through similar periods of uncertainty, questioning, and questions. Periods in which we ask about things to which we used to have answers, about which we thought we understood. A time when we need to grab hold of the foundations on which our faith stands. Sometimes it happens during adolescence when suddenly the answers of our parents or pastor are not enough. Sometimes it is, it's a during midlife crisis or during a crisis caused by difficult circumstances. The reasons are many. Now, even for me, I hoped before I became pastor, I, I, I hoped when I will finish seminary or university, I will not have, finally, I will not have these stupid questions because I will know almost everything. Did not happen after seminary. Okay, so then I thought, when I will become pastor, it will be okay. No more, no more tough questions. Or I will have all answers. It don't happen. Maybe that's the reason why I became chairman of the nomination. <laughs> but still. So, maybe... I'm, I, I should become Pope, maybe, then I... <laughs> <coughs> you know, what is more important is that Scripture is not silent about these situations and life periods and does not scorn those who have similar questions, who are just fighting these uh, questions. In fact, it does not even hide the fact that just a, it does not hide the fact that such a giant as a, as John suffered from it. In the end, John does not get a direct answer, but an answer that is a quotation from Isaiah prophet pointing to the coming Messiah. Honestly, I would expect from Jesus that he will give him better answer.
But, but. You know, I think that as a Christian, to be without questions is not a sign of faith, but a lack, lack, lack of depth. Understand? As a Christian, to be without questions is not a sign of faith, but a lack of depth. Doubts and questions which sometimes come as a result of faith, struggle, are legitimate. And in certain periods of life, answers which had been sufficient before somehow are not enough anymore. And Jesus doesn't criticize John for his questions and doubts. He does not even judge him. What counts for John the Baptist is that no one born of woman is greater than he. Despite his struggle, on which the scripture is not silent, John remains a great inspiration for, every, for, for pastors, for everybody. Great inspiration. One who did not give in to the temptation or, uh, to give in to the temptation of Messiah complex, who prepared the way for the Lord Jesus and who shows us by his life that when we become less, the Lord Jesus Christ become greater. And I wish this to all of us to follow this John's example. And that's something what I always say to, to pastors. You know, maybe I would wish you, maybe in 10 years, or I don't know how long you will stay in, in this, how, how long you will stay here. <clears throat> maybe people will forget that some mic was here. But I would really wish you, and then we will be successful. They will, this. People maybe will not remember. Oh, some pastor from America was... Uh, here, I don't remember the name. <clears throat> you know, I'm 57, so it's more and more clear that it's really happening. <clears throat> but, but, I remember 10 years ago when this pastor was here, and I don't remember his name. I remember that Jesus was glorified, and that was a great time for ICP. Amen. That's what I wish you. Amen. So now you will have installation promise, and I also ask Mike's wife. I forgot her name. Oh, Vale. Vale. <laughs> it also because uh, it's to be a pastor. Uh, it never is just about, how to say that? It's, it's, always, with, uh, it's always me and my wife, mm -hmm. am I right? Mm -hmm. The only question, how, how, how much? I think that 80% of success of pastor is wife, but... 
85. 85, okay. <laughs> so really this promise is, uh, it, it will be for brother Mike, but in reality they both uh, go together to be, to be, how to say, pastor or to, to minister your, your, your church. So, dear brother Mike, you have been called by this church to accept the calling of pastor of the Church of the Brethren at the International Church of Prague. Do you accept this ministry of pastor of this congregation as a task entrusted to you by the Lord of the Church? If do you promise to make every effort to faithfully fulfill all the duties of a pastor of this congregation, especially to be an example of Christian life, to diligently proclaim the truth of the Holy Scriptures, to prayerfully and pastorally care for those in the congregation entrusted to you, and to fulfill the missionary and deaconly ministry? Do you promise to put the interest of the kingdom of God in first place and to keep silent about everything that is to remain confidential. If you accept this task as God's call to service and wish to fulfill it faithfully, willingly and responsibly, I invite you to offer me your right hand with the words, with God's help, I promise. With God's help, I promise. Thank you. Now, Please uh, stand up and uh, now, now I ask you, the members of this congregation, whether you accept your pastor and his wife as your pastor and if you promise to love, honor, encourage and to help them according to the scripture. If you promise to accept them in this way, Express it for yourself with these words. With God's help, I promise. Thank you. May my God give you everything you need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Brother Mike, I declare you to be a duly authorized pastor of the Church of the Brethren at the International Church of Prague. May the Lord bless you, your wife, in this ministry.